so early it's crazy the weather today was so bad it's like winter has just slammed us right in the face but you have this lovely cozy apartment it's like the lighting is it's like almost it's not candlelit but it could be because I can barely see what I've written down here. I know, me too. <laughs> That's what but happens. you know, when you, you get to a certain, certain age, you like it. <laughs> fandom. So it's uh, getting to be obviously not just the end of 2019, but the end of the decade. And yeah. if you're anything like me, you've seen a lot of those end of the decade type of summary pieces. Do, 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 do. Um, the New York Times had a, kind of an interesting one, which was not what does the last decade mean? Because that's kind of impossible to say. It was 33, oh, I could tell, yeah. <laughs> 33 <laughs> ways of thinking about the last decade. So different takes, and they were very interesting. Everything from you know, female rage to um, podcasting to global music. And to all gay kinds of culture. Things, gay culture, all kinds of things. Also, I don't know if you saw this in your social media feeds, but I saw a number of people kind of saying, hey, it's almost the end of the decade what have you what have you done in the last 10 years i'm like nothing yeah <laughs> <laughs> it did make me reflect on my own life and i've done like quite a bit of stuff in my professional life but i have to say one area uh, you know when you make up those kind of pie charts of different spheres of your life and are you in balance and i realized like really the last decade i've really been not paying enough to, enough attention to my spiritual life and to uh, yeah. my interior life for sure it's been a lot of like focused outwards and so i think this next decade is going to be a little bit more about spirituality and self-reflection for me <laughs> <laughs> i don't believe that <laughs> no actually it's funny i just spent the weekend with some friends and we were talking about the same thing mm-hmm. and talking about our meditation practices and met yoga practice and i talked about how i was afraid of yoga <laughs> <laughs> In all candor, for me, the last decade or the last nine years has been, it's been disappointing Mm. and it's been very worrisome. Yeah. How so? Well, the number one culprit to me really is the cell phone and the move away from print journalism to all online content. Well, okay. Mea culpa. You know, I lost them a job, you know, because I used to write for all print. Mm-hmm. And then now it's all gone and everything's online and it's all just sort of repurposed content. Would you not agree? I would not agree. I mean, I think there's a there lot are of... sources, but... Yeah, I mean, and I think some organizations like the New York Times, for example, has done extraordinarily well in the digital space. But yeah. having said that, I do agree that the business model and the financial fortunes of a lot of journalism is under serious threat, especially in Canada. Yeah, and I also learned a lot the hard way about social media. I published a novel in, as you know, in 2013, 2014, and I got phenomenal critical acclaim through the traditional sources, mm-hmm. radio, um, bit of, a bit of TV, print, and online stuff too. But I didn't follow it up with a social media strategy at all. I didn't want to. I didn't think it was fair, and I didn't think it was right. Now, I thought, I've written a good book. I've put all this effort into it. Why can't I be like J.D. Salinger? <laughs> and like, why shouldn't everybody just be able to write a good book and get it out there? And I really learned the hard way. Oh, man. Like, it's all like crazy at first and then it just went Mm. so now that i'm working on the other ones i've really got to rethink 
I think I might go back to trying to find a traditional publisher, mm -hmm. since there seems to be more and more interest in real books. The evidence seems to be that even young people prefer to read paper books. Yes. Actually. Like, well, they at least for stuff that's not, you know, totally disposable beach read yeah, type of thing. I guess there have been good things. I've got a new knee. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. How about you, though, overall? I mean, I think when I look at the culture more broadly, and of course you tend to sort of think about everything that's happened from like 2017 until now, you don't really think so much about like what was going on in 2011, but in a way this kind of seems a bit like the chickens come home to roost decade, like from all yeah. of the sort of excitement yeah. from the new millennium. I mean, whether you think about something like Me Too or whether you think about the kind of general post-Cambridge Analytica comeuppance for big tech yeah. or how we've realized suddenly the consequences of like, holy crap, what's the, going on with all of our data out there? It seems clear that our compulsive use of our phones is causing some real problems. Mass all of this, like mass distraction, all of this stuff about the sort of giddiness, the the excitement of yeah. um, blogging, which which was great, right? It was great, but now we're seeing the negative side of it, which is partly the kind of filter bubbles and polarization that's happened on social media, and also. Mm -hmm in many ways, the collapse of the business model for traditional journalism. So yeah, chickens coming home to roost. But I, I also think sometimes it that was exciting be, a decade ago. Wasn't it was super it? exciting for tech in particular. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes those periods where you have those kind of holy shit moments collectively as a society can be really healthy. It's not fun, but to have that bit of soul searching and say, okay, we got to get our act together. We got to get our. But will we, will we actually sit down and think about it? Or will people just charge ahead? I think that there's been a lot of reaction brewing, a lot of reaction to the poisonousness on social media, for example. Yes. I, do, I do think that there is a bit of a sea change and a bit of people evaluating what exactly am I spending my time and my emotional and intellectual labor on these free platforms for as one example. Yeah, it's not yeah like I have whole heard that is, from my millennials, yeah. my nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. they're, they're trying to do it less and less and yeah. less and less. They're still always on their phones. Right, but, as um, am I, I have to admit. I yeah. did go back and look at some of the stories we did on the sniffer from oh, 2010. Yeah. Uh, this is what Bill Buxton calls the long nose of innovation about how actually how long it takes for things to kind of come to maturity. Because we talked about things like location-based services and privacy. Yes. Um, the problem of being online all the time, which was just around, you know, 20 2010, when the smartphone was really just taking off for many more people. Yeah. Whether the tablet was another thing that we looked at. Um, virtual gifts as money makers. And this was particularly interesting. This is something that's going to come up in your story. You did a story about Japanese free cafes where you can sample things without any pressure to buy. And that was back in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. I'd forgotten all about that. Actually, I should go back to Japan Times and look at their mm. new stuff. Mm-hmm for some new stories. But anyway, not to end on, like, just to not end too, on too much of a downer, I do think, like, I feel like ready to turn a page. Podcasting has been excellent. I think it's possible that the next decade will be better and more exciting. I'm cautiously optimistic. <laughs> you should see your face. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm, is it one of, do I look perplexed? Do I look doubtful? Do I look all of the above? Yeah. I hope so. I really do. I hope so. <laughs> okay, on to your story, which yeah. is a fun story. It was hard with that book, Nora. It was hard with that book. Oh, <laughs> it's an excellent libel. book if anyone uh, has Our a yen to read a great novel yes. in 2020. Night Town by mm -hmm. Kathy Bond. It's got lots of swearing in it, and there's nudity. <laughs> <laughs> is um, it a picture book? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm working on now. Actually, I wish I was. I wish I, I wish I could draw. Is there anybody out there? Get in touch with us if you're interested in working on a graphic novel with me. But anyway, okay. Now to my story. Okay. Mm. I really, 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 really like this. There is this uh, couple, a husband and wife team in Britain, who are taking the concept, again, this is more about like making things more real, making mm-hmm. things more tangible, because we've all gone to Kickstarter, we all know about crowdsourcing, right? right? And you know, you go and you look and you go, oh, that's a really cool idea, but I'd kind of like to see it first before uh-huh. I put all my money into it. Well, they are actually opening a pop-up stores, a series of pop-up stores, but the first one is on Brick Street, and in London, people will get to come in and play around with some of these toys. Mm. So things that are actually Kickstarter Yeah, campaigns. Kickstarter, yeah. Yeah, things like Kickstarter and Indiegogo mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. It's all based on the idea that people do like to touch. Hello, we have senses. <laughs> we do not all live on the cell phone in a bubble. <laughs> And they're going to be taking it around the world. Mm. Oh, and some of the stuff they've got in the store is so neat. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they've got this pen. It's a mechanical pen that will last your lifetime. Really? Yes. I used yeah, to love add- those mechanical pencils. Pen. Yeah, well, this is a pe- mechanical pen. Huh. And I'm like, what about the refills? Things Miss Bond, the, the, the cynic, you know, you spend mm-hmm. all the money. But I think it was like 89 pounds or something. And mm. they're beautiful. They're quite small pens. But and also, these little speakers that are kind of the size of, um, they're bigger than a Timbit, like a very small hockey puck. Okay. Yeah. And they're speakers and you can stick them on anything. And the kind of sound that reverberates out of them depends on the surface to which they are fixed. That's cool. Yeah. They're actually opening a permanent store in London in April. Mm -hmm. And that's next in 2020, obviously. That's April's past this year. <laughs> and then they're opening ones in Berlin, Paris, Stockholm, Miami, New York, and L.A. Mm. I thought it was interesting that it was uh, on uh, Brick Lane because that's in Sh- in Shoreditch, which is around yeah. this whole, like, the Silicon Roundabout, like the tech yeah. hub in London. And so branding it as this sort of hip tech thing. But it's like, in some ways, it's a sort of very old idea, right? If you think about the old days of the CNE, the Canadian National Exhibition, where you would see oh, like yeah. the latest kind of tech or even the latest this idea farm that, equipment. Yeah, the latest farm equipment. Or even the idea of like having, I think they call it showrooming, which is basically the yeah. idea that people want to see the physical things. They might actually do the purchase online, but they want to see the physical things. So, Yeah, well, that kind of goes back to the expos that people mm-hmm. used to have when we used to go, go to. Like, whatever happened to those big honking expos? I don't know. Uh, Wired magazine used to do a thing in New York City every year. I think it was in Soho. You know, it was a branding exercise for the magazine, but they would have just a lot of cool current technologies that would run just basically over the Christmas period. Speaking of pop-ups, I had a pop-up story. Mm Mm-hmm. This, you've seen them, but when I was in um, L.A. in August, I was in Venice Beach. I thought it was a regular store, I will say that in advance, but it turns out it was a pop-up. And I tried on these glasses, and and they look good, Mm -hmm. and although now I think maybe they make me look old. I thought they were nice. Okay, I wasn't sure. I thought they made me alive. My eyes look poochy. No. But anyway... Yeah, so I went in and it was like 99 US for a pair of glasses with free lenses. And I thought, okay. So I said, well, I'll just take them. And they said, um, no, you can't do that. We have to fit them for you. So mm-hmm. you have to come in with your prescription. And I said, well, 
I'll bring my glasses in. Well, you can't do that. We have to have an actual prescription. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going through the whole healthcare system down in LA to get a <laughs> prescription done. It was such a dog and pony show to actually get the glasses. But I did get them, and uh-huh. I do like them a lot. Uh-huh. And the thing that's really, really cool about them is they come from it's the company is called Genesee, and I think they used to make that Genesee beer mm-hmm. around there. Didn't <laughs> I they? was thinking about that. Yeah, it's, since it's in Flint, Michigan, they've taken all the old rubber and all the old other bits of you know things that have just been thrown away into the garbage heap, and they're making things out of them. These oh, glasses, cool. yeah, mm-hmm. they're really cool. You should see them; they're all different colors. Yeah, I'll put a link uh, in the show notes. All right. Is it time to eat? It is. Yes, and I've got us a fabulous bottle of Chardonnay. Mm. Okay. (laughs) Bye. Bye.